You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Rage Wake. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez here. Hope you enjoyed that Astros game, the 7-2 knockdown dragout that the, the Astros were able to, to pull off to finish the sweep of the Seattle Mariners. Justin Verlander having a just dominant performance again. Six and two-thirds. He only gave up two earned on that Eugenio Suarez home run. He did strike out three. He does improve to three and one on the season. He only gave up five hits in 101 pitches. 73 of those 101 pitches were strikes. And then... Later in the game, you know, the, the scoring went like this. Alex Bregman and Jordan Alvarez were on second and third. Or, or first and second, excuse me. Guriel hits a double to right to score Bregman, puts Alvarez at third. In the second inning, Uncle Mike, Michael Brantley, gets a single to center to score Litmus Diaz and Chaz McCormick. And also in the second, Bregman would single again to score Jose Altuve in the fourth. So going into the fourth, it's 4-0 now, Houston. In the bottom of the fourth, Alex Bregman hits a sack fly to right field to score Altuve and advance Michael Brantley to third. And then Bregman delivers again in the sixth with a double to deep center to score Chaz McCormick. And also in the sixth, Bregman would come around to score on a Jordan Alvarez single. And then in the seventh, 7 nothing Houston, and that's when Eugenio Suarez hits a towering 441-foot two-run homer to left center. That would just about end Justin Verlander's day. Uh, he, would, he would be relieved just a few batters later. With the win, the Astros improved to 14 and 11, and then the Mariners would fall to 12 and 13. Take that, five names. Yeah, five names. Take that. Producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most, James Mesh, joins us. James, what's going on? Not too much. I'm feeling a lot better. I would have to say. How about you? Feeling a lot better Oh, about your Celtics? Well. Or just in general? Oh, just in general. I, I think you know why. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So again, Astros win seven to two. That's why Crunch Time Amigas and Mesh is coming to you a little late. We got a jam packed show today. Uh, Who that Wednesdays, of course, and there's a lot to talk about with that. Uh, Tyron Matthew signs his contract, has a press conference, you know, so on and so forth. James, what what are your what are your thoughts? I mean, I know we've kind of talked about it already, but like. Now it's been two to three days and everything's settled in. You know, what are your thoughts on Tyron Matthew? I'm feeling like this defensive back room is so much it's it's solidified now. Because you had questions before. 
You didn't know whether or not the... You didn't know whether or not where Marcus May would play because you heard a little bit of, well, he played free safety originally, but then they put him in the box at strong safety in New York his last year before he tore his Achilles. And then you heard rumblings of he they they do like him at strong safety, so he may be in the box. But now that now that the Honey Badger has been signed, I think he's just going to go play free safety now. And then you don't have to worry about having PJ play there be your starting free safety all year. The safeties are looking really good. You can you can you don't necessarily have to have Alante Taylor at safety now. It will make it more it will make things more interesting because you have you have so many pieces. You signed Daniel Sorensen early. You signed Justin Evans pretty early. Brought in Marcus May, re-signed PJ Williams. Like there's a lot to look at and there's a lot to like about this backfield after originally Wondering if how many steps are they going to take back? It felt like because you Malcolm Jenkins retires, Marcus Williams leaves and goes to the Ravens. So you're like, what you going to do? How, how are you going to retool? Perfect. You bring in another former Jet. He he's a pretty solid backup. He's not necessarily yeah, as good at free safety and being rangy as Marcus was, but he's a damn better tackler. I I really like Marcus May, and then. Getting to Honey Badger, oh, I w- I would take I would take that duo over Malcolm Jenkins and P- and Marcus Williams, as 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 crazy as that sounds. Really? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but on paper and seeing their history, I like it. Okay, all right. LSU baseball takes down Nichols last night, ten to six. We'll dive into it deeper a little later in the program but man LSU tried to do everything in their power to give it away they gave up six runs in the final two innings and that is the thought of our poll question today what are your thoughts of Tiger baseball right now do you think they're still a regional host do you think that their season could be better are the errors that they're still committing in May absolutely killing you Or do you have another thought that you want to get off your chest? That is the poll question of the day. So far, 58% of you say regional host. 33% say it could be better. And then 8% say the errors are killing me. I'm surprised the errors aren't higher. Eh, It's still early. Yeah. It's it's still early. We're we're still early in the question. We we only came up with it a few minutes ago. So, But still, I I don't know. I, I think that one, maybe not that it will but I think it should be the highest vote. Because, man, it's, they it's they bad. they are taking me. They are taking a toll on me, I would have to say. Because yeah, you, can't, you can't keep committing this many years. I don't they, care how good your offense they is. They committed three last night. Yeah, three against the Nichols team. Like, what? Yeah, that's what not, are you doing? That's not great. That That is, that is not great. Uh, once again, Hoodat Wednesdays, Brendan Ertle will will join us at 5.30. Game hotline open, 706-0111. You want to talk LSU baseball? You want to talk Tyron Matthew? You want to talk the big Raging Cajuns basketball news? Brock Morris reportedly leaving to go to Ole Miss. Swirling all over the place. You know, 
Cajuns baseball has a, a senior day series this weekend. The NBA playoffs, we're going to dive into that a little later. What a game by Ja Morant last night. 19 points in the fourth quarter, 47 for the game. And God, just some of the things that he's able to do with a basketball. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I get that. But, you know, four years later, or, or three and a half years later, I, I, I don't... If I'd go back and do that 2019 draft over again and I'm the GM of the Pelicans, I don't know if I pick Zion. Ray's talked about that a bunch. I don't and, know if I pick Zion. I mean, Zion. yeah, hindsight is 2020, but it's it's tough to go against Zion. I mean, when healthy, it's the same thing you could say with like Teron Onstead and any other player that's been really good when they're actually on the field, but Man, that's that's tough. That's tough to to do. That's tough to beat out. Yeah. I mean, hypothetically, if you look at it, let because I mean, this is a this is so, so many things could change with this. You probably would never have CJ, but let's say hypothetically, Jaw and Zion switch. You would have Jaw at the point. You would have CJ at the two, you would have her probably at the three, I would have to guess. And then you have, you, you would think Jackson at the four? You'd probably just make him a starter? Well, you heard Ali Cassell the other day on Ray's show. He thinks they might trade Jackson. Yeah, but you trade him because Zion's coming back. Well, right. That's the th- But what I'm saying in this hypothetical is you have Jaw, not Zion. Oh, Jaw, not Zion. Okay, so Jaw's, so Jaw's, at, the, Jaw's at the point. Herb at two. No, Herb at three. Herb CJ at three, CJ at two. Because I'm saying... Jackson at four. Jackson yeah. at four, and then Jonas at five. Yeah. It's kind of it's like, what would you rather? Yeah, if, if you didn't have... I don't know, man. I don't know. Because it feels... Maybe this is just because... Maybe it's Jaw being too ball dominant or maybe it's just the fact that Grizzlies don't have enough of like their own ball handlers right whereas like you look at the Celtics damn near everybody could take up take it up the court because here here's my question say say you had say you had Ja say you had CJ okay can they coexist on the floor together that's what I'm that's what I'm trying because CJ's not super ball dominant but at the same time no but it feels like Ja has the ball in his hand 90% of the time Ja's not a disher Ja gets assists, but that's when it, he just dishes to his shooters or dishes to the cutter. So it's like, yeah, he he, he gets assists off of easy passes. Um, So could, could they coexist on the floor together? I don't know. That's an intriguing question to think about. But it very easily could never have happened because if, if you got Ja... Do you do you even have CJ? Would you even make the trade for CJ if you already got Jaw? That's the that's maybe not, maybe not. But then if you if you say you never made the trade for for Ja, I mean say you never made the trade for CJ, who becomes your two? Alvarado? Well, you'd still have Nikhil. You'd still have Nikhil. You would still have Nikhil. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you'd still have Josh Hart. Damn. Which one would you rather? I think I, I I think I like this. I know as crazy as it sounds. I think I'd rather have Zion right now. 
I know he's injury prone and we haven't seen him in over a year, but it, it feels like same thing with Tyron. Tyron originally, he kind of had that, he kind of had that uh, stipulation about him where in, he was getting injured too much. So it's like, does he have the durability? And right. the last five years, he's only missed two games. Or the the last two years, he's missed two games in total, and it was one from each year. So it's like he's become a lot more durable. And it's like, well, there's there's the if if ands maybe's and buts, but let's say Zion is able to control his weight, so he's not putting as much pressure on his feet and on his knees, so he's not so likely to get injured. Yeah, that that's- then then. Th- then what? Now, now you're not now you're not throwing those those ideas that Jaws was clearly the better pick, uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's interesting. I, I guess I never really looked at it that way, but man, the things that that Morant has been able to do on the court, especially this year. I mean, he's already one most improved player, but would would he be in the conversation? For MVP, if Zion was, if Zion was healthy right now, no. If Ja, Ja, right now, is he in the conversation for MVP? In your in your eyes, I think he's just outside. I think he, I think he's on that second tier. So who's the three in, in the conversation for the MVP? Embiid. You have Embiid. Giannis. You got Giannis, Tatum. You got Homer. Are you gonna argue against? Are you gonna argue against him, Homer? Are you gonna argue against him? I mean, I don't know. I don't really know his stats for for the year. Um, I don't know if he's. I, I know for a fact that he's that he's fifth is, or he's fifth or sixth in the voting. Tatum is. Yeah. So. Okay. So he's averaging twenty-seven points a game. That's seventh in the league. Eight rebounds. Four and a half assists. That's not terrible. That's not bad. You also forgetting Jokic. Yeah, I forget about him because the Nuggets were just not that great this year, and they just got eliminated. Right. I kind of forget about him. Uh, I mean, it, it's got to go to Embiid, right? It should, but th- I don't know because, well, this is a regular season award, right? Who had the best regular? It's got to be Embiid. Oh, and it's funny because Jokic has a slight edge. Interesting. Speaking of Joel Embiid, he and the Philadelphia 76ers will play the Miami Heat tonight at 6.30 on TNT, and then the 9 o'clock game is Dallas and Phoenix. Phoenix up 1-0. James, Luka just doesn't seem right to me. He, I don't. the The injury obviously he he can't be a hundred percent because even even once they allowed him to come back, and he's another one. He's another. Yeah, he's he's in the MVP him, conversation. Him, him and D book. Yeah, he's he's in the MVP conversation. Um. Yeah, man, I don't I don't know. That's interesting. He definitely needs more help. If you're scoring 45, it's kind of like the same in, thing in with Dallas? Bradley. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. He definitely sure. he definitely needs more help cuz it, it it feels like the same thing with the with the Withers and Mark, Riley Beal. Mark Cuban's going to need to pump some money into that program because they uh, that it's bad. 
He needs help, and he needs help fast. People want to blame Jason Kidd. It's not Jason Kidd. What's Jason Kidd going to do? Get the man some players. He can't coach, you know, Pond Water. Can't coach Andrews Pete. Like, you got Luca. Who is Kleber? Maxi Kleber. Maxi Kleber? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a role player. He, he's he's a role player. I don't think he deserves 25 minutes. Um, but you see, while we're on the NBA conversation, I want to bring this up. Bally Sports Network, which is owned by Sinclair Sports, who bought Fox Sports, you know, all that stuff. They now broadcast the Pelicans. And as it stands, you can only get Bally Sports if you have Cox Cable or LUS, like actual cable. So now, to spread Bally Sports to more people, they're coming out with a subscription-based model. It is $189 for the year, or $19.99 a month. Now, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second, because we already pay way too much as it is. Whether you got cable whether you decided to stream your TV, Hulu TV, YouTube TV, whatever it is, Netflix goes up every month, it seems. I mean, we pay too much, as it is. Why can't streaming platforms like YouTube TV, like Hulu TV, why can't they have access to Bally Sports? Why can't they come to an agreement to where anybody that pays for a cable subscription or any kind of television subscription can access the channel. It's the same thing with the Astros. Like, I, I get AT&T, Sportsnet probably gave you the most money, but it's like, why are you not broadcasting that to as many people as you possibly can? It just, it really doesn't make sense to me. I, I just, I've never understood that. I've never understood closing your market to, to, to less people. Why not spread your name and your brand and the team that you are covering for to as many people a, as you possibly can? Speaking of not being able to watch the Astros and Lafayette unless you have DirecTV, the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st in Houston, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're going to take a timeout right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And when we return, McNeese was at home last night against the Lumberjacks of Stephen F. Austin, and they put on a show. We'll dive into that and the hotline, 706-0111. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. 
Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, you know, we touched on the NBA a little bit last segment, but I, I kind of forgot to ask you, what did you do last night while you were watching the Celtics? What was your, what was your nightly activities? Well, I was here... For I stayed I stayed and watched the whole game here on my laptop. Oh, working man. Yeah, yeah. I, working I f- hard. Fin- finished up the rest of work while I was while I was watching game, watching the game, and I was knocking down a couple pulled pork sliders from home. Pulled pork sliders. Yeah, yeah. Knock down, knock down four of them. Jesus, Jesus. Speaking of food. Go on the game Twitter page and answer RP3's poll question from this morning. Do you suck the heads on your crawfish? James, do you? The the little yellow fatty stuff? Yeah. Oh, love that. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And people, and people wonder why it takes so long. It's because I, 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 I put in as much effort as I can to get the claws. I suck the heads and I eat the tail. So I go for it all. So I start with the tail. And if if some of the fat ends up on the tail, like I'm not opposed to eating it. Like it's not it doesn't like gross me out. I'm just not gonna do extra work to suck the head to get it out. So like if it comes with the tail, then fine. But it's like when it's fresh out the bowl and you still have the the flavor water and it's oozing out of the crawfish itself yeah. as you open it yeah. and you're having that with with the yellow fat. Boom. See, can't do it. That's that's can't stupendous. It. Can't do it. And up until about a year ago, I never ate the claws. I would just throw the claws off to somebody. Oh my god, you're wasting so much. Uh, I I would they wouldn't get wasted. I wouldn't throw them away. Uh, my fiance eats them, so I would just leave them for her. Um, you're just giving her more work to do. Right. <laughs> um a couple comments on the on the game Facebook page about our poll question, Martin says, what about Luca for MVP? And then he goes on, but it is nice to not have LeBron in the conversation. You mean LeBum? LeMickey. LeMickey. LeFraud. <laughs> oh, man, all the all the names. LeBald. LeBald. Uh, Street Clothes Davis is still one of my favorites. I like to call anybody that gets injured glass bones. Glass Bones, yeah. Glass Bones is always a good one. And then he says, but hopefully Monty Williams gets coach of the year after he was robbed of it last year. You think Monty Williams is going to get coach of the year? I I think it's going to be Willie Green. You think it's going to be Willie Green? Think about it. Coach of the year is supposed to be the best coaching performance. He took a team that didn't make the playoffs last year they started 3 and 16 and then he got them not only into the playoffs but he took the first round series to 6 games without his star player how do you how do you have a better coaching performance from a first year head coach 
I'm going to tell you right now. I'm looking at, what is this called? WSN.com for like okay. sports betting. Yeah. The, the, the odds, odds on the odds on favorite right now, minus 2,000 Monty. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. At number two, though, is JB Bickerstaff. Yeah. For the in Cavs. Memphis. Oh, in the Cavs. Okay. Yeah, it's a uh, it's Bull and Hoser for the for the Bulls. Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra. He's all he's always up there. Yeah. Taylor Jenkins for the Grizzlies. That's who's in Memphis now. Taylor Jenkins. Okay. Billy Donovan for the Bulls. Steve yeah. Steve Kerr is always up there. Yeah. Ime Udoka for the Celtics. Okay. Then we got Doc Rivers for the Sixers. Quinn you're, Snyder you're for the Jazz. You're kidding me. Okay, so it's a popularity contest to people. Well, that's how most voting is. That's insane. Why do, why do you think, even even though Brad Stevens deserved at least one of those years when he was the coach for Boston, he never won? That's insane. Dude, that is... Mike, Mike, and then Michael Malone and Chris Finch for the Nuggets and Grizzlies. Nuggets and Grizzlies? Or Nuggets and Timberwolves. Timberwolves, okay. Timberwolves for uh, Chris Finch. I've never even heard of that dude. I'm I'm still trying to learn the NBA uh, coaches sometimes too. That because because oh, you've always because obviously you're you've always known the the Stan Vans. You've known the Steve Kerr's. You you've oh, always yeah. known about the Doc Rivers of the world. But it's it's these new guys. I'm still learning. Like I didn't really I didn't well personally for me at least. I know Quinn Snyder's been in the league for a while, but I didn't really know him until like a year or two ago since he's been with the Jazz for what the last eight years. Yeah, he's been there for a while. But like a Michael Malone, it's like who? So right. I'm still trying to figure out you, bud. Right, Taylor, Taylor Finch, is that his name? Chris Finch. Chris Finch. Taylor Jenkins also. Yeah, Taylor Jenkins, and then JB Bickerstaff. Bickerstaff's been around. I've I've never heard of him until literally right now. Big, I didn't even know that was the Cavs coach. Bickerstaff coached the Grizzlies before he was at the Cavs. Huh. Yeah, Bickerstaff's been around for a while. I mean, I've obviously known Monty since Monty was with the Hornets. Yeah. So I, I've been knowing about Monty. I've known Willie Green I knew, since I knew he, he played took, for the Pel, for the Hornets. I didn't know about Willie Green until he got hired for the Pels. And they were like, well, he yeah, played dude. and he and he was assistant for the last couple of years for the Suns. I was like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, he was he was Monty Williams' top assistant last year. Yeah. Um going back to college baseball, more particularly McNeese, seventeen to seven last night over Stephen F. Austin. It was Star Wars night at the Joe. Because today is May the Fourth be with you. It's also my sister's birthday. Oh, happy birthday to James's sister! Yes. How old is she? <laughs> uh, she's thirty-one. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just no, no. I <laughs> I just know it's like I learned from a young age. Don't either. Don't ask or well, or like I mean, don't don't say it out loud. But I mean, it's my sister. I've, no, I've, it's not. She, but yeah, she she's thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yeah. Okay, and her well. and my niece, her daughter, had turned twelve on. It was it was the first, but that was on uh, Sunday. Sunday. Yep. Yeah, I was trying. I was trying to so do happy, backwards math. Happy belated birthday to you, niece. Yes. And then happy birthday to your sister. Stephen F. Austin scores one in the first. They get six in the fifth, but that would be it. McNeese gets one in the third, four in the fourth, two in the fifth, five in the sixth, and then five in the eighth. They called the game in the eighth, seventeen to seven. The Cowboys getting their seventeen runs on twenty-three hits with one error. Stephen F. Austin getting seven runs on seven hits. They committed three errors. 
some top performers of the night. Braden Duyon going three for six with a double, four RBIs and a run scored. Peyton Harden four for five with a triple, two RBIs, two stolen bases and a run scored. Julian Gonzalez goes three for four with a homer and a double. And Cade Morris, Mr. Reliable at third base, goes three for five with two runs scored and two RBIs. Brad Burkle also getting two runs in the contest as well. Looking at their season statistics, Brad Burkle is going to lead the batting average at 362 with six homers and 30 RBIs. Julian Gonzalez goes up to 34 RBIs to lead the team. About a minute left here in hour number one. What are your thoughts of Tiger baseball? Are they a regional host? Could it be better? The errors are killing you or other. 15% now say errors are killing me. 31% say they could be better. And 54% say that they are a regional host. I still think they're a regional host. Uh, especially if they if they can make a run in the SEC tournament, which they're always known to do. But you can't drop games to inferior competition. I know you didn't lose last night, but giving up six runs in the last two innings when you were up 10 nothing is not a good look. It's not. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Here in hour number two, we're going to talk some more NBA, talk Tyron Matthew, and then we'll have our weekly Hootat Wednesday segment. Here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, it is Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and you. 706 is the number to call on the game hotline if you want to get in on the action of today's show. Tyron Matthew returning home. McNeese and LSU winning baseball games last night. The NBA playoffs. Again, Jean Morant, absolute freak of nature. I mean, what, what, more, what more can you say uh, about the young man? Can... The Grizzlies continue their success that that they're starting to experience in this series and hold off the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if they can. Uh, I I don't mean this literally. It might take a couple more broken elbows. Obviously, I'm referring to the the Dylan Brooks ejection after clotheslining Gary Payton in midair. You know, James, I'm going to bring you in on this. I want to get your opinion on this. Steve Kerr last night talked about how there was a there was a code through from NBA players that it's an unwritten code, right? That you know, you don't put a guy's career in jeopardy when he's when he's in midair taking him out of midair. You don't you know, 
just certain things like that, certain unwritten rules that everybody seems to understand. So I'll get I'll get your opinion on that. Let's go to the game hotline. Jamie joins the show. Mr. Jamie, what's going on? Hey, good afternoon, Ms. Miguez. You doing all right today? I'm doing fantastic, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Look, I know y'all about to go in on the NBA, uh, but I wanted to touch base with you about uh, the LSU Tigers baseball team. Yeah. And anybody who knows me knows I'm not a Tigers fan. I, I am definitely not a Tigers fan. We'll leave it at that. But I got to say, man, to struggle against Nichols, how in the heck do you expect to be able to continue to have success? It's got to be concerning, right? I mean, they're a good team. And they're gonna they're gonna be able to to go into a regional, but I mean that's got to be concerning for Tigers fans to struggle against Nichols, a Southland team. I mean I'm I'm a Northwestern State grad. I don't have any respect for Nichols, and they they took uh, LSU to the wire. Northwestern State beat them last year, so uh, you know that that would be concerning to me. And uh, so I'm 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 interested in taking your take on that, and uh, also. I'm a Buccaneers fan through and through, have been my whole life. Who is going to be able to complete anything against the Saints secondary, especially with the Honey Badger coming in? Holy cow. Well, well, first so, of all, uh, Jamie, but before you hang up, I want to offer my, my sincerest apologies to you for, for being a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. That, that sounds like an <laughs> awful way to live. Look, man, I learned early. I learned early. My my, our mantra has always been: "There's always next season." There's always next season. I love that. So love you know, that. I've been a Bucks fan for a long time. When that's my mantra, I'm no bandwagon, and I'm not a Tom Brady fan. I've been with them since they were cream sickle and white. No for season. <laughs> oh man, that's that's. And I'll commend you on that because you know I I grew up. As as a Saints fan, with with I mean I, I'm younger, but you know I I had to go through the Aaron Brooks era. As well, as rough yeah. as that was, I'll give you this, and, and then I'll, I'll let you go. But uh, I like the Saints; they're they're my number two team. They haven't always been my number two, but but they're my number two team. And the reason they're my number two team, Devery Henderson. Went oh yeah, cool with the guy. Grew up with the guy. So when he got drafted by the Saints, I said, "All right." I'm going to be a Saints fan as long as they're not playing the Buccaneers. Right, right. Do you get any? <laughs> right, do you get any well, flack for that? Day. I'll be listening. Do you get flack for that, Mr. Green, from your What's other that? friends? I said, do you get flack from your other Tampa Bay friends for that? Since you, since it's an in uh, division rival. Bro, I live in South Louisiana. How many other Tampa Bay uh, friends do you think well, I, I have? Well, I didn't know if you knew anybody from Tampa that that was that was also a Buccaneers fan. No, no. Were like, how, how could you like I the have Saints? Family who lives in Tampa, so that's how I ended up with uh, as a Tampa fan. So they don't disown me for for liking the Saints too. Oh, okay, all right. Let's get, <laughs> I was just curious. Appreciate yeah. you, Jamie. Y'all have a good one, man. All right, y'all too. So uh, a couple things that that I want to dive into that, that Jamie brought up. I wouldn't say that they struggled against Nichols because they were up ten to nothing at one point. The concerning thing about the game last night is that they couldn't close the door. You gave up six runs in the final two innings, including five in the ninth. That's the concerning thing. It's a little PTSD. Yeah, that that's 
if I'm a Tigers fan, that's what concerns me. You know, you, you scored two in the second, five in the third, and then one each in the fifth, sixth, and seventh to be up 10 nothing, and then you just couldn't seal the deal. Now, three errors certainly doesn't help you. That's that's not going to com, you know make make things easier for you. But again, you know, looking at the way Nichols scored, they got a homer in the eighth, single in the ninth, advancing on a wild pitch, scoring on a wild pitch. So they scored a run on a wild pitch. Then you get a double to right field a sacrifice fly to score another runner, and then a single to the right side, advancing to second on a throwing error, kid scores. Like, you gave up five runs in the ninth, and one, two of them, three of them, really, were unearned. It's an an unearned run. Against and, and you know LSU fans and even even LSU reporters, oh you know they LSU doesn't care about midweek games. LSU doesn't care about midweek games, and that might be true. But at the same time, you might want to. Wasn't that the only thing, if I recall correctly, last year that that's the only thing that the that the Tigers could win last year was midweek games. In Palmineries last year, they could only win the the midweek series of the midweek games. But that's but as soon as you got to the weekend series, they either won one or they right. got swept. They rarely got at least two. Yeah. So the, the 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 message has always been that they don't care about midweek games. But maybe they might want to start because next week you got Southeastern. Now Southeastern's been in a slump this year, but that that's the same team that beat Ole Miss when they were the number one team in the country earlier this year. Southeastern is no slouch. Are they slumping right now? Absolutely. It only takes one game to get out of a slump, though. And if LSU's not careful, it could be them. Chico, my man Chico Rodriguez, texted me. He said, you also had to live through the Billy Joe era. See, I don't really remember that. I'm too young for that. The, the first quarterback that I can remember in black and gold is Aaron Book, Aaron Brooks. You want to know how I was spoiled? First one you can remember is Drew Brees? Yeah. You don't remember Aaron Brooks? No. Well, I know. I, I've seen some stuff from Aaron Brooks, but I didn't start watching football until 2010. So you... I didn't even get to see the Super Bowl. Oh. My, my first football play was the tail end of the Tracy Porter pick six in the Super Bowl. That was my first football play. And that was the tail end of him being like, he was pretty much in the end zone celebrating. How old were you when the Saints won the Super Bowl? I was not even 10 yet. You didn't start watching football until you were 10 years old? Mm -mm. Why? My dad never really forced it on me. You didn't have an interest as a child? I didn't know about it. I didn't know football was a thing until until that play right there. And I didn't know about basketball. Till I was, oh my god! I had I was a couple months into being ten. Oh, James! All, all I all I knew was soccer and and baseball. Oh, so you didn't watch the Celtics win the title in 08? Nope, I haven't seen that either. Oh my god! 
those were some of the best basketball games I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, m- I miss Paul Pierce uh, pooing himself, supposedly. Oh, man. Which oh, that, which buddy. he Well, actually, it, he did say, yeah, he, he had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so he didn't even get injured. Martin comes in on Twitter, ask Miguez if he remembers Jeff Blake. Who? Who? I I have no idea who Jeff Blake is. He played quarterback. He played for 14 seasons. Uh, longest stint was with the Bengals from 94 to 99. So when did he re- when was his last year in the league? 2005. So I was 8. I was watching football then. 2001 2000 2001. No. I do not I do not remember this guy. But he was the Bears quarterback right before Rex Grossman took over. Yeah. In 06. He was with um, Philly in 2004 and Arizona in 2003. Played for the Saints for 2 years. Yep. Yeah, no. I never <laughs> That man that man was definitely a journeyman. Ne- Jets never, drafted by the Jets. Never heard of him. Where what happened to 93? <laughs> it goes 92 drafted, and then it just skips to Cincinnati in 94. Good old, good old, we can't forget Billy Joe Tolliver. Good old Billy Joe. That's the that's the guy Chico was, was referencing. Billy Joe Tolliver. He played for the Saints from, he played for the Saints in 98, 99. Yeah, I was barely crawling at, at that point. So no, definitely don't remember Billy Joe either. Again, like I said, the earliest quarterback that I can remember in black and gold is Aaron Brooks and, and a little bit of Jake DeLome, but mostly Jake DeLome from his days in, in Carolina. Once again, as always, the game hotline wide open, 706-0111. If you want to chime into the show. Also... Poll question of the day is on Twitter. Where do you stand on LSU? On LSU baseball, more particularly. Are they a regional host? Could it be better? Are the errors absolutely killing you? Or other? So far, 50% of you say regional host. 29% say it could be better. 21% say errors are killing me. So so with Jeff Blake, Martin had just called and he was saying uh Jeff was Wait, starting a QB. Martin called? Yeah, he just Why called. didn't he get in on the show? He didn't want to. Oh man. Yeah, he he just wanted to he just wanted to say that uh All right. Yeah. That Jeff played uh, and I was looking at the stats. He played eleven games. He believes that he got injured, and that's when Aaron Brooks took over for the rest of the season. And then mm, he came the in for 2002 and right. and for the rest of that. Ton commented on the Twitter question. I remember Bobby Bear. Poor oh, Jamie. Cannon. Poor Jamie. Dude must remember Vinny Testaverde if he's a creamsicle and white guy. Oh, Vinny. Dude must be ancient. Tigers need to clean up and finish strong in baseball. They are a regional host. Vinny Testaverde. Oh, I haven't heard from Vinny in a while. Oh, man. I haven't heard about his name in a while. Bobby Bear. Hey, dude, I'm not going to lie. That's a nice guy in person. Oh. I'll, he's he's a nice guy. I bet. 
He se- Bobby, he seems like a pretty genuine. Bobby genuine Bobby person. seems like a good dude. Let's take a timeout right here, and when we return to crunch time with Miguez and Mesh, we'll dive deep, real deep, into that Celtics Bucks game two, as well as the Grizzlies and Warriors, and we'll preview a little bit of game threes or more game twos tonight here on this Wednesday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. After a two-year hiatus, the Bro Bridge Crawfish Festival is returning this weekend to the festival grounds in Bro Bridge. General admission tickets range from five to ten dollars, and you can buy a three-day pass for fifteen. The musical lineup includes Wayne Toops, Chubby Carrier, and the Bayou Swamp Band, Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Sweet Cecilia, and more. Great food, great music, and great times at the Bro Bridge Crawfish Festival. For more information, visit www.bbcrawfest.com. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Hotline couldn't stop ringing during the during the timeout. We we convinced Martin to to join the show. Martin, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm making it, man. How you doing, buddy? Oh, dude, I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. So, so you never heard of Jeff Blake? No. No. Okay, I'm gonna throw another, and this is. By the way, this is coming from from a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. So we we've had our oh. our, our share of uh, doozy quarterbacks in in my days. Um, I'm gonna throw another name uh, at you. See if you you if it rings a bell. Kerry Collins. Do you remember Kerry Collins? Kerry Collins. That name does sound familiar. I think he was. A, I want to say maybe he. I, I kind of follow the same thing, you know, kind of, but I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, but I want to say he was around Jeff Blake. He yes. might have been like after Jeff Blake, maybe, or. I remember when I, he I played. When, I remember when he played for Tennessee. Okay. He played from yeah, Tennessee to 2006 after. to 2010. Right. And I think that was after the Saints because he spent a little while. As, I think he started a few games with the Saints as well. Yeah, he but, played uh, for the Saints in 98. Yeah, he started seven. Right, and uh, I want to call uh, because uh, if there's any fan base that knows that mantra, that last caller, uh, there's always la- next year. It's uh, it's the Dallas the Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we yeah. always say that, and that happens. So, uh, yep, that, like, I'm gonna end my call with uh, there's always next year because uh, <laughs> we'll probably find another stupid way to f- lose in the playoffs this year. So, not getting my hopes up. Y'all have a good one. Thanks, Martin. <laughs> Hey man, don't forget they them boys. That that's what the, they them boys. That that's what their fans always say, especially in, in August. You know, the season's getting ready to start. Man, we the Dallas Cowboys. We them boys. You 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 are them boys. You're gonna go twelve and five, win your cruddy division, and lose in the first round of the playoffs. You are them boys. Congrats to you, and you're gonna overpay. Dak Prescott. Now, don't get me wrong. Dak's a good QB. Is he worth $40 million? God, no. Hell no. Do you think Dak is worth $40 million a year? 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. He's, oh, that's all I needed out of you. <laughs> that's all that's all I needed to hear. I don't I don't have a confident yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I needed to hear. I mean, granted, due to the quarterback market, he was going to get it. If Dallas didn't give it to him, somebody was. But he is not worth that much money. Now, let's let's be quite honest. Is Jameis Winston worth 14? Yeah. I don't know if we know that yet. I don't know if we know the answer to that yet. I don't know. I don't know if this is just because I have uber confidence in Jameis, but I would have thrown 20. Yeah, uh, maybe. Martin comes back and he says, if anyone is overpaid on the Cowboys, it's Zeke. What's Zeke making a year? Let's see. I'm going to look it up. What does Zeke make in a year? Ezekiel Elliott. Six years, $90 million. Oh, my God. They're paying Zeke 15 mil? Oh, Jerry got more money than he knows what to do with. Let's go back to the game hotline. Jay is calling into the show. What's going on, Jay? Uh, what gets me is, um, you know, you know, I don't compare myself to anyone. It's just I remember when I was 10 years old, 12 years old, I can route a quarterback who played the game 20, 30 years before I even existed, uh, 40, 50 years. And when I hear you say that, you never heard of Jeff Blake. And uh, how old are you? 24. Hello? Hey. Uh, how, uh, uh, we're losing you, man. I'm 24. Yeah, uh, all right, 24. Yeah, I just, I'm just surprised. You can hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I got you. All right, yeah, I'm just surprised that, you know, since you, you're on the radio, you, you don't study the history of the other team or just the history of the game. So, um, that's uh, we're going to spend our... I, I, I think you should know the history of the Saints. If that's who you follow, I don't know who you follow, but uh, I don't know. Yes, Jeff Blake played for the Saints. Matter of fact, Jeff Blake played for the Bengals. Can't out of eat. All right, I think we lost him, but I got I got the gist of what he was trying to say. Uh, he he said that if I cover the Saints, if I follow the Saints, that I should know the history of the team, inside and out. Which could could very well be a it's a fair point to make a fair point to make, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a necessary requirement. I I, I know the insides and outs since I started watching the team. And I know about Archie Manning and Morton Anderson and Willie Roof and the Dome Patrol and So for um, me for me to not know who Jeff Blake I, is, I don't think that should, I, I, should I de- deeply, deduct me as a Saints fan. I, I, I deeply apologize for not knowing the name of every trash quarterback the Saints have ever had. Because that list is a mile long. Let's be quite and I say that as a diehard Saints fan. I have multiple Saints jerseys. I watch the Saints every Sunday. The Saints have had multiple terrible quarterbacks. I mean, let's be quite frank. As much as we love Archie Manning, granted, Archie was the only piece on the team, but Archie never put up spectacular numbers. 
neither did Bobby Hebert. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but again, I, I guess my point that I'm trying to make is that, James, help me out here. I mean, I, it's not it's not a huge requirement, but I mean, uh, me, I, am I supposed to know that? Am I supposed to know every single draft pick the Saints have ever made? Who who they are, what college they went to, what their what their high school GPA was like? Uh, I mean, am I do I need to watch every single play that the Saints have ever made? No, <laughs> no, because we're not talking about 1986. We're talking about 2022 Saints right. and this season coming up. I'm not worried about I'd, what happened in '72 and '99 and all that other stuff. If, if I was if I was a Saints historian, it, would, like if I if I'm specifically only studying the history, the history of the Saints. Okay, now we're having a different now we're having a different conversation, right? But where where what what does it start with? What's what's this year start with? Does it start with a two or a one? <laughs> I'm not worried about '98. I'm not worried about 2002. I'm worried about 2022 right now. I've been watching since I was 10 in 2010. I've kn- I know some stuff. I know about Ricky Jackson. I know about Willie Rove. I know about Archie. I know they're struggling. I know about the Aints. I know about the bag over the head. I get it. Gumbo came out in like 80, I think. But I, I don't need to know about every single trash quarterback and all that. Come on now. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, Brendan Ertle will join us for Who Dat Wednesdays. Right here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. My guy, Big Ert. Brendan Ertle, what's going on, my brother? What's good? What's good? Man, so I, I'm going to start with question number one. Do you know who Jeff Blake is? Okay, we were just talking about this, and I I do. If you ask me to pick him out in a room, I wouldn't be able to. I have no idea what number he wore, but, you know, just my dad taught me about, you know, the Saints quarterback history, but I, I never seen him play. I, I don't know the guy. He was he was eight he wore number eighteen. He played for the Saints when he was thirty and thirty one. And apparently in, in his first year he played in eleven games, went seven and four, threw for two thousand yards, nine touchdowns, thirteen touchdowns, nine interceptions. And then in two thousand and one he broke his ankle in the first game of the year and was out for the rest of the year and never returned to the Saints. Well, I was one years old at that time. As I was three. <laughs> so for, for, forgive me if I wasn't running around him in my training pants watching Jeff Blake break his ankle. Um, hey, got to start filming as soon as you can. <laughs> apparently. That's, that's what I've been told today. <laughs> uh, so let, let, let's dive into the 2022 Saints. And mm-hmm. let's start with Tyron Matthew. Signed his contract, did his introductory press conference today. He looked comfortable. He looked happy. Mm-hmm. He looked like it was a familiar kind of situation to him. What did you What did you think 
of his introductory press conference? Well, he's home, you know? I mean, that's where that's where he's from. That's where he wanted to be. I mean, I thought it was super interesting. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again because it seemed like he was so confident and just he was like just the Saints. And obviously the Eagles were involved and I'm sure the Colts and Steelers were involved as well, but he was like, yeah, I was trying to hide it, but this is where I wanted to be. And I, I was talking about it. It's like, well, he didn't hide it very well because he's liking every single Saints tweet and everything related to the Saints. But I, it, it's just weird how he had his kind of his mindset. And he said at the end, he's like, I had my mindset. I just had to wait for a couple of people in the building to be like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So I, it's, I think it's super cool. Uh, it's super surreal seeing him in a Saints hat alone. I mean, I just couldn't stop smiling when I saw him in that. And I truly think that he's going to have like a Drew Brees-like impact for this team and community for sure. You you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Nick, Nick Underhill posted 18 minutes ago that the pre-order link for Tyron Matthews' jersey was so popular that it broke the NFL shop website. I saw that, and I will say I was one of the people who got access to the website but didn't buy the jersey. But what does that say about Saints fans in our quote-unquote small market, huh? Do you yeah. know how hard it is to break a freaking NFL website or just a website in general? It takes thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I I don't think we've ever had a, a situation like this in the NFL at all, honestly, where a player has come home and you don't even know his, his jersey number yet. Right. And people are trying as hard as they can. It's like a sneaker drop. They're trying to get this jersey as soon as they possibly can. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to end up being 32 again. Because uh, mm-hmm. the o- the only other numbers I could see him wearing are seven, but Taysom's not going to give it up. Mm-hmm. Fourteen. Yeah, I don't think he cares. Yeah, I don't think he cares either. Uh, Fourteen, because that's what he wore his freshman year at LSU. But will Mark Ingram give it up? I don't know. And then yeah, well Bryce, I forget his name. Bryce the Thompson, DB, or UDFA from Tennessee, two years ago. He's in thirty-two. And I don't think it'll be hard to get him out of no. thirty-two. No, it wouldn't be hard. I don't. I, to be honest, I don't know that it'd be super hard to get Ingram out of fourteen. I don't know if yeah. he if he has an attachment to that number. And then the other number, w- the one that would be really cool, is thirteen, since he wore that in high school. But you know, Mike Thomas. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you're getting Bryce him out Thompson. of thirteen. Bryce Thompson's his name. Yeah. Chat with Brendan Ertle here on Hoodat Wednesdays. Brendan, looking at the the list of UDFAs. You know we haven't we haven't got to talk post draft mm-hmm. yet. Uh, of the seventeen guys that the Saints were able to sign, who are some that you know that really intrigue you? I mean, the one that I've watched the most and I, I really like is Abraham Smith from Baylor. I think that he could come in and uh, have an impact. I mean, the Saints obviously we don't have a huge halt running back right now. We don't know what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara in terms of suspension. Uh, we just saw DeAndre Hopkins get six games for PED, so. What they're going to give Kamara, I I really don't know. But if he does get something, you know, Ingram's role has to step up. Uh, who's going to be that running back two to Ingram at that point? And and even when they're both on the field, Ingram and Kamara, you got to have a third. Um, whether that's going to be Dwayne Washington or if Tony Jones can become what we thought he would be. Uh, but Abraham Smith just put up insane insane stats in college, and I was. When we signed him, I thought he got drafted. I was I was shocked that he he made it to undrafted free agency. So uh, Smith for sure, and I, I mean I'm a, I'm a fan of Smoke Monday from Auburn and what he's been able to do. And I think it would be an insane defensive back uh, room with Tyron Matthew, CJ Garner Johnson, Smoke Monday. 
So outside of the obvious of Chris Olave and Trevor Penning, who was your favorite draft pick and why? Really like the Marco Jackson actually because as a player on the defense, uh, versatility is a huge thing, and he used to play safety, blazing fast. And what's uh, interesting is that he had pretty much all the same measurables as Quan Alexander. And what that means, I don't know, but it just shows that Quan's one of those linebackers that you know that can do a lot of things really well and is versatile. And I think that could be what Demarco Jackson could be. I was a big fan of the pick. Um, the the obvious. The obvious one besides the two would be Alante Taylor, but I just don't see the immediate playing time for him. So I think DeMarco Jackson could get um, some earlier playing time than Alante, but I'm a big fan of DeMarco Jackson for sure. Chatting with Brendan Ertle from Canal Street Chronicles here on Who Dat Wednesday. All right, Brendan, you know, obviously you and I talked Thursday night when when Chris Olave was selected by the Saints, but for the, for the listener, you know, Tell them about your reaction to to the Chris Olave selection. It, it has been the first time in my life I've probably been able to predict a Saints pick. And if you haven't seen my reaction, it's on my Twitter. But it was pretty much like we just won the Super Bowl. Uh, I was so happy. It just feels like we needed something like this. It's It's fun to have a wide receiver group that you're excited about, and especially a young guy like Olave. Um I like I love the pipeline actually from Ohio State wide receivers. So whether it was Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, or Chris Olave, I think they would have all been great selections. But I think Olave is just the perfect combination of Mike Thomas, and I know Mike Thomas is really really good friends with him. So really big fan of his game. And I, the reason I'm most excited about Olave is because I think he's the receiver that will fit fit uh, perfectly with Jamison Winston. I think uh, it's been what the Saints' offense has been missing since Brandon Cooks. I don't think he's as fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and as big of a deep threat as Cooks, but I think he adds that element, um, you know, the deeper routes downfield and, and the shot plays for two for sure. Because at the combine, I didn't know he was that fast. Watching his tape, he's fast, but I didn't know he was four three uh, originally, like four two unofficial. So he's blazing fast, um, and he's compared a lot to Keen Allen just because his uh, his route running is so magnificent. But day one, I mean, I'm so happy. I, I think Mike Thomas and Olave are going to be a phenomenal combo. Yeah, you know, Mike and Mike and Chris are already working out together. Uh, mm-hmm. They posted a picture yesterday that they were they were getting some work in. But you know, I think I think Brendan's been listening to the show, James, because the the comparison of saying that you know this is what the Saints' offense has been missing since Brandon Cooks. Pretty sure I said that last week. Well, I'm an Oregon State guy, so. <laughs> Brandon Cooks went to Oregon State, so I'm a little bit biased. Right, right. It, 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 it is true. We haven't really had a guy that's been able to take, you know, back when we played uh, the Raiders in the Dome with that 99-yard touchdown on the one-yard line. We, we've never had a guy like that. I mean, Deontay, speed-wise, can definitely do it. But, you know, it's just it's just not the same. And I, I know earlier in the offseason we talked about maybe they go trade again for Brandon Cooks. Uh, obviously, Houston wanted to keep him. But, you know, since Cooks, I think Olave will be the best running mate Mike Thomas will have for for a while, and it's not his career. Yep. No, I agree. Chatting with Brendan Ertle here on Who Dat Wednesdays. Brendan, I got to ask you, you know, you're, you're a Saints guy. You cover the Saints for Canal Street Chronicles. How would you end up at Oregon State? <laughs> that is a good question, and a question that 
uh, long story short, my family's from Louisiana, so uh, I was grew I grew up the right way, a Saints fan. I was grown, you know, the Southern way, the way to do it. Um, and long story short, we just ended up in Oregon somehow, and it, it seemed like a good fit. I got a, a good job with the with the football team, so I mean, it, it worked out, and I mean, hopefully, I, we can make it to the NFL one day, and you know. So you so you you did grow up in Louisiana. I did not. Uh, I wish I did. Um, moved right right around that time, but I grew up in California and then moved to Oregon. So I'm I'm a West Coast kid, but I'm a Southern kid by heart. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, you know. So what's next for the Saints? You, you get Tyron Matthew. There's still some rumblings that that Jarvis Landry could be could be coming back. Or, or coming home, should mm-hmm. I say? Mini camp coming up. There, there's still some money to play with in cap. What's next? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so rookie mini camp is May 13th. So that's the thing I'm circling. I, I want to see a lobby out there in the field. But talking about Jarvis Landry, I, I mean, he obviously Louisiana guy. Same thing as Tyron. I don't think it's like the situation as Tyron, where it's like it's a perfect fit. It's not like all of a sudden there's just a huge halt safety. They need a leader. Obviously, we have a need at wide receiver. We kind of filled that. But the things that Jarvis does really, really well, Mike Thomas does really, really well as well. But if the price is right, you absolutely do it. But I'm just saying it's not a guy that you'll go out and just overpay, uh, especially because, you know, Mickey is still being aggressive, but he's still trying to figure out a way to, to clean up this cap. So if there's a situation where, um, you can get him for your price and the price you think he's worth and you don't have to overpay and, uh, Ian Rapport talked about before the draft that he was going to pick between the Browns and the Saints. So I definitely think that's still on the table. Uh, they still have, I think, $15, $14 million to play with, uh, depending on how they shaped up Tyron Matthews' contract. But, yeah, I, I absolutely think that Jarvis Landry could still be in play. Um, you give Jameis all, all you can. You don't just go out there and trade up for Olave and sign Tyron Matthew if you don't think that you're a contender. So they obviously think that they're a contender. And when you're contending, you make aggressive moves like that. So I think adding a guy like Jarvis uh, would take a lot of pressure, probably off Olave, not to be an instant 1,000-plus yard receiver, you know. So, um, And, you know, most teams have three to four good wide receivers anyways. Uh, we, we, always, we all of a sudden think that we're in, like, uh, luxury wide receivers, but we're not. I, I mean, e- even if we go into the season with Callaway, Traquan, Deontay Harris, Deontay Hardy, uh, I still think that's great depth, and they have a good roster. And I think they, uh, whether they think it or not, I think they are contenders for sure. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I definitely think that, especially the Matthew move and drafting, uh, trading up to get Chris Olave made them contenders again. Mm-hmm. Um, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles has been our guest. Brendan, tell everybody where where they can find your your social media and your work with CSC on Twitter at Brendan Ertle. Uh, if you scroll far enough, you can see my reaction to Chris Olave. It's pretty embarrassing, but I mean, I put myself out there, and yeah, but I'm, those, I'm happy. But those black uh, and gold Air Force Ones are. Oh yeah, oh, and the man. Mike Thomas poster in the back. I just, you know, I bleed gold. Brendan, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. And uh, as always, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. You guys have a good show. Tune in next week for another edition of Hood at Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh.
time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 4th, 1985. Puerto Rican jockey Angel Cordero Jr. wins the 111th Kentucky Derby atop Spend a Buck. The victory at Churchill Downs is the jockey's third Kentucky Derby triumph as he previously won the 1974 and 1976 derbies. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising with the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. Score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids by registering on the Game Rewards Club. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Saturday, June 4th is Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War kids, and the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. James Mesh, we only got about four minutes, but I would like to take this opportunity to dive into the Celtics and Bucks, a 109-86 victory for your boys. Jalen Brown getting 30, and I saw a headline, and after I say this headline, I'll, I'll let you take the lead here. ESPN called it the Boston Three Party. Yeah, that that's pretty accurate. They shot over half of their shots from beyond the arc. Which, look, I love the three pointer. I I shoot mainly threes. I don't have much of a mid range game. It's either layup, three, or a deep three. But you can't have over half of your shots as a team be from beyond the arc. I get it. They're clogging the paint, and they're making it tough for you to score in the paint. But having, letting the Bucks, well, not necessarily letting, but the fact that the Bucks have over double the points in the paint that you do, and you're barely sniffing twenty for the game, that's not a recipe for success. If you necessarily can't get it, you got to draw the fouls. You gotta, you gotta put the pressure on them. You can't just settle for it. You can't just just do a drive and then a kick out for an open three. They were doing that first half. That, that was working. But the offense that they were doing, it looked a lot like last year's and earlier in the year when they were 11th in the East. You can't you can't just have this one pass, let's do a tween, 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 tween behind the back, try to get around with Jason Tatum. They're, they have, they're running a zone. They're running traps on you. You can't just keep doing that. It, I saw Jason keep doing that. It was pissing me off. Jalen Brown was doing the same thing. I, I just can't. You can't do that and expect to win the series with the way they play the defense. And let's say you don't make the amount, the percentage that you do. Let's say you don't make forty six and a half percent. Let's go, let's say you go back to more thirty five percent, like you did game one. What happens when you miss? They get the rebound. They're on the fast break. When is Milwaukee the most dangerous? On the fast break mm-hmm. when Giannis has full fullback dive mode, right? It's not. It's so, not going to work long so, term. So you're not confident in the Celtics' ability to win this series. They still have a good chance, but if you're going to continue it like this, where you're the ball is being it's static, you're not passing it around. You're not forcing the defense to have to switch to the other guy, and because the more you pass the ball, that's more likely where you're going to be successful because you're going to find an open shot sooner or later. You may not always make the threes, 
But at some point, that defense is going to break down because you're passing it so much and they can't keep up. And then sooner or later, you're going to get the wide open layup because of the cutter. Or he's just sitting there in the paint. It's like, or at the elbow, and you're like, oh, well, here you go. And then boom, easy floater or easy layup or easy dunk. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I will I will end with this. It is a tweet from Propel's Talk. Between the Saints and the Pelicans, fall can't come fast enough. This city is going to be electric. Shout out to our guy, Brendan Ertle. Shout out to Jamie, Martin, all of our callers. Jay, appreciate all y'all. Tomorrow's show is going to be just as epic as today's. We'll have audio from Tyron Matthews' introductory press conference and so much more. For James Mesh, the producer extraordinaire, I am Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. We will talk to you on this beautiful tomorrow's Thursday here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station.